Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we've spoken on the show before about chocolate. Um, it was a fascinating discussion actually. Go back a few episodes if you want to listen to that one. Um, and as a result of that discussion, we've got some very special chocolate in the studio today, haven't we Helga? You that can is, tell the story behind it. That is true. Uh, my girlfriend recently went on a business trip to Algeria. And uh, she is, a, of course, a constant listener of this, of this podcast. And of so uh, she brought us some... Uh, she actually is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so she actually brought some chocolate, as we talked about what you like most in, in your chocolate mm. affairs. And so, yeah, we can go and try some Algerian yeah. dark Algerian chocolate. Much, yeah. That really nice, actually. Chocolate, yeah. Mm. Dark is, chocolate. It, is that something we're looking for here? Or I don't know. On your tongue? Or I don't know, man. Tasting very nice. Apparently... <laughs> Apparently, it's um, Le Chocolat Noir du Connoisseur. Mm. So, so that's what put Riyad Mahrez off his penalty, was it? <laughs> he, was, he was thinking about that. <laughs> Getting home to tuck into a yeah. nice Noir Chocolat. I don't blame him. It's not bad. No, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. It's <laughs> really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for that, Anna. It was much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, We've got loads to talk about today, so we might as well crack on. Welcome to this week's episode of the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burt. Joining me today is Alex Mott. Hello. The chocolate man, Helga Voltman. Hello. <laughs> and podcast debutant, Matt Froelich. I gotta say, I like that nickname. Can I kind of have that now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's you. Uh, now, we really, really, really want you to keep sending your questions in to us. Um, as you'll see, we've got plenty of uh, those that we're going to get through a bit later on in the show. Uh, if you've got something gnawing away at you and you'd like to uh, get it off your chest about football or anything else, the email address to send it to is podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, now, it might be the international break, but we're going to act like it isn't, because everyone hates the international break. Uh, we'll start today's show by looking back at last week's uh, red-hot action from the Premier League. I suppose the best place to start is that thrilling nil-nil draw at Anfield on yes. Sunday. Alex, were you surprised at all that a game between the two best attacking sides in the country uh, didn't produce a single goal? I was surprised, yeah. The expectation going into the game was that it was going to be the best game of the season, um, and it Absolutely wasn't, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, it was definitely one for the purists, I think. Um, but when you listen to Guardiola after the game and you hear what he was saying about trying to close down the space, um, yeah, it's sort of, he's clearly learned from what happened at Anfield last year. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised. I, I didn't think it was a very good game. Um, but yeah, it was all seemed like it was all part of the game plan, really. Mm. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I enjoyed it actually. I was very tense all the way through it. Is that uh, because you're a Man City fan, though? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt, why do you think it was such a tight game? Uh, well, I guess they were. I guess they were cancelling each other out with both being too afraid of the other player's attack. But more interestingly, I think you just mentioned there, Alex, mm. that he's learned from last year. Would you consider it more of a victory for City then? Uh, yeah, because I'm thinking if he's learned and taken a step forward, basically he didn't get beat. Yeah, no, which I'd absolutely yeah. say it was a yeah a victory. Well, a victory. For yeah, so. it was a draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is the thing. Like in terms of the result, as a draw, they get a point apiece. Yeah. But I mean, more more of a mental victory and a proof to his players that we're not going to get spanked by Liverpool. Yeah, time. I think that was because before that they yeah. would have think thought, you know what, this is Liverpool again. We're going to get beat again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also they were ahead of them, so. For them, a tie mm. would be just keeping the same distance. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of well, they're level. I think now level on points. Yeah, twenty level on points. Yeah, yeah. 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 top on goal difference. Yeah, but it's proven probably to Guardiola's squad that they can do it now. They can mm. contain them, even with Salah a bit 
of form. It certainly makes me as a City fan feel a lot less worried about Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. Than I was. I'm still worried about them, but a bit less, you know. Yeah. Helga, you strike me as the sort of guy who probably quite likes a, a tactical nil-nil. <laughs> yes, I love, I love football games without goals. <laughs> no, but as you said, I, I mean, they can be fun if you were like especially if you're a fan if you're involved like you were in the in the game before and if both both results are, can go both ways you know if, if both ways can uh, sides can win it then it, it's it can be can be exciting uh, of course like if you have a game like like France against Denmark I think at the World Cup that might not thrill anyone but in general I think it's possible yeah mm. I want to talk about Mo Salah. He was out mm. of sorts a little bit again. At what point do Liverpool fans have to start worrying about his form, do you think? I think they worry now, to be perfectly honest. He doesn't look fit at all. It's It, it may be a bit too easy to look back at the Ramos challenge in the Champions League final, but he obviously rushed back for the World Cup um, and he just doesn't look right. Um, I've heard people say that it would be worse if he's not getting in the positions which he is and missing, but actually I think it's the other way around. He looks like he's lost confidence in mm. front of goal. And when, when he joined Liverpool, people were saying that, you know, he's got pace, he's, you know, great on the counter-attack, but he can't finish. Last year, obviously, he disproved that, mm. but it looks like he's gone back to the player he was at Roma, yeah. at Chelsea, at Fiorentina. Mm. So yeah, I would be worried, actually. Um, and he doesn't seem to be linking... Last year, obviously, Salah scored however many goals, 30 plus. But Firmino was probably the most important player in, mm. in that front three, I thought. And they, don't, they just don't seem to be linking well enough at the yeah. moment, which obviously Liverpool's still winning, so you can't really say too much, yeah. but I, I would worry actually. Yeah, I would worry about, about Salah. Um, I, I think he's partially, partially a victim of his own success. Yeah. But that's always going to be the yeah, problem. If you have yeah, a blinder yeah. like that, yeah, you just I'm not saying you can't repeat it, but yeah. he's not getting forty goals again. Yeah, no, but this no. is the thing. And if you expect him to, you're asking a hell of a lot. Mm. I mean, aside from Ronaldo and Messi who do it year after year, there's not many players who can just repeat forty year goals yeah. like forty year seasons like it's not goal yeah. seasons. Yeah, yeah. So maybe slightly victim of its success as well. But yeah, as as Alex said, I I don't see the same guy. Mm. I no, don't see the same guys last year. Yeah, obviously it is early, and but yeah, I I really would worry, and maybe it's up to Klopp to sort of make a decision and maybe take him out of the team mm -hmm. for a little bit. Sturridge is playing really well when he comes on. They bought Shakiri. Um, yeah, I, that's why Klopp is the manager and has to make those sort of decisions, yeah. I suppose. But yeah, I would worry. I think uh, I'm Eric Laporte made his life a lot harder mm. at the weekend. He's a player who I've been really really impressed with since he came to City is it just me or is he quietly one of the best centre-backs in the league if not Europe at the moment um, that's a, yeah maybe it's a big shout yeah the answer is yes yeah. I, mean, I don't care what your opinion is I, thought it was, I was go I'm going with you but I actually <laughs> thought it was an interesting decision from Guardiola to pick Laporte and Stones mm -hmm. um, as a back two I thought he might have gone for Otamendi as well but um yeah, no, he is he is a brilliant defender. Obviously, that's why City paid sixty five million for him. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if he's one of the very best in Europe. I think he's got some way to go yet. But yeah, he started he has started the season really well. Obviously, he joined in January last year. He what he didn't sort of hit the ground running straight away last season. He was left out of a fair few big games. But obviously, Guardiola trusts him now, so. Um, I think he's probably their yeah. first choice centre-back going forward. Well, maybe the best centre-back in the league is Virgil van Dijk, yeah. right? Um, but he gave that penalty away. <laughs> it was a penalty, yeah, right? You, you no argument with that. I think yeah. it was a 
I think he, Van Dyke himself admitted it was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Was, we yeah. were watching it on the Zone, the German streaming platform here, and they said it was a soft penalty. Ooh. I couldn't believe my ears. No, it it was a penalty. I think Van Dyke's foolish for going in. He knows yeah. that you're going to the byline, like you know, you're not going towards the goal. Effectively, I think he's pretty foolish. Mm. I think Van Dyke expects Sane to put the cross in, that, yeah. and he's mm. he's just throwing himself to block the ball. Um, and when the ball hasn't come, yeah, it's Sane's going down. It's a yeah, definite penalty. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd put Van Dyke up there as the best. No? Who are you saying then? Oh, Vertonghen. Really? For consistency-wise. I, I like wise, him, but I don't know. Consistency-wise, definitely one of the best. Tell you're a Spurs fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but in, in, in uh, a Spurs team have had you know the best defence in, you know, in the last four seasons, I think two times, mm. three times. But I will also say very quickly about Laporte. How do you judge a defender who doesn't do much defending? Well, I'd say that's the uh, that's a, the, the side the of a good defender who doesn't have to make tackles and, mm. and that sort of thing. And because oh, do you mean in general that City don't? Have, yeah, yeah. Because City aren't defending a huge mm. amount. If you can put Fabian Delph, you know, a decent centre midfielder, and he looks like a good enough left back to get into the World Cup squad, mm-hmm. is that because Delph is actually an unbelievable left back and no one knew yes. about it? Or, <laughs> or when he does play left back, is he just not really being tested that much because no. City have so much of the ball? That's what I mean. With if you watch the port over a game, I don't watch every City game. I reckon, and again, don't completely know. Most of the time, he could just be getting the ball off the keeper, giving it to a midfielder, and then just standing there. He might mm. not actually have much defending to do. The stats would say yes, but collectively, maybe he just doesn't have that much but to that, do. But that's, I mean, if. If City wanted a defender, mm. they'd have paid seventy million for Harry Maguire. But that's just not how they play. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah I, I just think that the, the, the stats can often be deceiving. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, when, yeah. when uh, people said, "Oh, Lucas Fabianski, this many saves last season." I'm like, "Yeah, if I had the Swansea defensive defensive yeah, front of me, well, I'd probably yeah. have ample opportunity to pull off saves <laughs> yeah, as well." Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's. It's, it's kind of a. I think it's just as well what Guardiola asks of his of his defenders because they yeah. need to be able to open up the game. They need to be able to pass well, but also they need to be around. Like when, when they are when they're being tested, they need to be able to to solve that mm. situation. So, of course, any players that that have high level of concentration throughout the whole game, because as you say, they're not being tested that often. Mm. But then when that situation arrives, then they need to be there. So I think that's one of the points as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean. When the when the time came for Van Dyke to defend, <laughs> you messed it up. <laughs> well, Riyad Mahrez. The question that I've got down here is what the f was Riyad Mahrez doing? Yeah. But I'm not going to ask that question. What I want to ask is, was Guardiola right in giving a guy who he said um, had been doing really well with penalties in training all week yeah. the penalty in a decisive moment like that when his record was so I'm, bad? I'm amazed. A manager that's so obsessed with details like Guardiola. Would when he was asked when he was asked after the game, did you know that Riyad Mahrez had missed five of his last eight penalties? And apparently, I'm glad he said no, I didn't know that. Mm. And for someone, yet yeah, like I say, he was so obsessed with the minutiae of everything to not know that and then say to Mahrez, you're taking the penalty. Just I don't know, that seems bizarre to me. Whether Guardiola was lying after the game, I, I think don't he know. probably was. Yeah, but 
yeah, yeah, he's missed, yeah, like I say, five out of the last eight penalties, which is terrible, really. I think mm. only one Pablo Angel has missed more. Wow, there's a thing. Yeah, the player yeah. that's taken wow. more than 10 penalties in the Premier League. Angel. Yeah, Angel is the one with the uh, only above him in sort of conversion rates. So, mm. Didn't Jesus want it instead? Yeah, what's his like? Though? He's missed the last, missed the last two. two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, pick the worst then. <laughs> but then. There's there's going to be a situation where Aguero is not going to be on the pitch, so you, you sort of have to pick yeah, a, a second taker. Uh, then, well, yeah, there must be. Would, would, about would De Bruyne have taken it? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Possibly, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, it wasn't a great penalty, and I don't think it'd be taken. In terms of technique, though, when it comes to striking penalty, I'd put Mahrez up there yeah. as one of the best technically gifted players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they I said mean, that he'd been banging him in all week in training, I know it's not the same thing, but you, you're going to look at that and think, well, he's going to be do all right here, isn't he? Yeah, well, maybe there's just. I, I think, sort of in general, play Mahrez is probably City's most impressive attacker. Mm-hmm. And I th- don't know whether maybe Guardiola just thought of City. He's sort of confident. He's yeah. looking confident. Give, give him the penalty. That's the only. That's the only way I can sort of. Or just seeing as like a bad spell, and he's gonna go back to yeah, normal, yeah. To normal. Yeah. Con- conversion rates. What's it called? Conversion rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it was a terrible penalty. <laughs> awful. What do you think this game taught us about these two teams' title credentials this season? Um, that with Chelsea they're the two best teams in the country don't think there's any arguing with that really mm-hmm. um, I, I can't really see anyone but City winning the league I said it at the start of the season nothing has changed my mind but Liverpool will definitely finish second I'm mm. going to say <laughs> um, they yeah they just they look like such a well drilled well coached team yeah, and this yeah this game sort of proved that for me really. Um, I thought yeah they bought well in the summer, um, and even with Salah, Firmino, Mane not at that absolute peak, I think yeah they're they're a brilliant team. I mm-hmm. think they'll do really well this season. Since we've closed the gap quite quickly, don't they? Yeah. What do you think a successful season looks like for Liverpool this season, Matt? Do they have to win a trophy? Do they have to win the league title? Oof. I mean, it's it's the question that's thrown at Liverpool, it's thrown at Spurs, it's sometimes thrown at Chelsea as well. I guess I guess it depends which way you view football. As someone who would not be super interested, you know, sort of really tactically into it, and I guess yeah, you, you look at the results each weekend or watch match of the day or something, and you think, great, we haven't won anything, or great, we've won a trophy. But as someone who wants to see, you know, good football as well, it's always a, it's always kind of a mix between the two. I, I, I can I can answer as, as as a Spurs fan. One week I think ah we lost but great football, and then Cardiff last weekend I think we were terrible against ten men Cardiff, and it was one nil. But three points, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. I think if Liverpool want to keep growing as a club and attract the sort of players that they want to attract and keep their best players, they have to win something yeah. soon. Otherwise, someone like Salah or you know whoever Allison, whoever Van Dijk. Real Madrid are going to come in, Barcelona are going to come in, and they're just going to leave because they're not winning trophies. Because yeah. that is what players want: is trophies. So I think they maybe not this year. A successful season for Liverpool might be running City close, doing well in Europe again, getting to a, a final. But sooner or later, they have to win. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, what are they supposed to do much differently? They they've been buying yeah, a lot of players. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Are, and then then they have a certain style of play, but. I mean, Klopp doesn't play like that because he thinks like, oh, this is really pretty. I would like to see yeah. that football. Yeah. He also uh, thinks it's the most successful, like the most promising way for success. Yeah. Because I mean, you could he could play as well like Mourinho, but as we see right now, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't you know promise results either necessarily. But so if they want to keep 
you know, bringing in players of the quality yeah. of Alisson, Fabinho, they, they have to win Definitely, something. Otherwise, yeah. those players just aren't. They can pay them all the money in the world, yeah. but they're just not going to come to Liverpool. So I, I think it'll always be an attraction, though. Yeah. If you've got two teams to choose between and you say Liverpool will play the better football, you maybe are going to want to go there ahead of someone like Chelsea or United. But I also think it gives the manager something to fall back on. Yeah. If you lose, you can say, yeah, but we played well. And Mourinho also, can't say that. And also, uh, Klopp is a big reason why players are going to yeah. Liverpool as well. And Klopp is going to want to win trophies sooner or later because, you know, backs up his legacy. So, yeah, a successful season for Liverpool might not be a trophy this year, but yeah, they have to soon. Mm-hmm. Klopp and Brendan Rodgers have now managed the exact same number of games oh, right. Liverpool 166 games yeah. I think Klopp is 16 points better off right okay so there's been progress but yeah, perhaps yeah. you know Liverpool fans would say that they've gone to Champions League finals and Europa League finals and stuff like that but they do need something soon don't yeah. they something tangible to show you say it's all. progress however Rodgers got closer to winning, to, to winning the title well yeah so but, yeah, but that's not, it's it's dependent on everyone else. But football's not in a vacuum, is it? Yeah, Liverpool, of course. Yeah. Liverpool are playing brilliant football, but they're up against one of the best teams we've ever seen in Manchester yeah. City. So they they are unfortunate in that regard. But then that I think is making Liverpool better. Man City being better, yeah. I personally think. And, so and I think also if you're constantly challenging for titles, if you were having a squad that can always hang with the, with every other mm. team, at some point titles are gonna gonna come automatically you know if you if you always if you keep reaching finals if you always close then yeah yeah but, did, but the, the, that's the point wouldn't people stay with Liverpool if they were always in and about and challenging and wouldn't leave because um, what my, my, my issue is when you say someone should leave that what what would you need to 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 sort of validate the trophies that you're winning. Mm. For example, if you want to win trophies, you know, go and move to the the box one and second division. Aren't the trophies themselves validation though? No, because are are you winning them for the sake of winning them by moving to a quote unquote, as I just said, easier league? If if you were, Um, for example, when you leave, you know, you said Real Madrid, Barcelona coming mm. for you. Barcelona come in for you. They're basically saying, "Come join us. We're going to win La Liga, Copa del Rey. We'll win a few titles." Yeah. However, would you want to stay in a more competitive league? Like, what's the validation of winning something which is basically a given? Well, that's the Neymar argument, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but a lot of players are motivated by becoming Ballon d'Or now, which is a whole other argument that I don't. Oh, really well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can of worms open. <laughs> we might come back to that yeah. later on. <laughs> uh, but for now, Chelsea won again, 3-0 away at Southampton on Sunday. Um, Eden Hazard seems sort of extra motivated this season, doesn't he? Why yeah. do you think that is? Because it's his last chance of getting a big move. Do you reckon? Yeah, he's going to be 20, 27, 28. He's hitting his prime. Um, and I think now that Ronaldo's gone, there hasn't... The, the, the space has opened up at Real Madrid you know what I mean you don't just get signed by Real Madrid or Barcelona mm-hmm. one of the big teams when they've got a space free they'll come and buy someone or make them better mm-hmm. you're not going to come in and be better than Ronaldo so you have to wait until he leaves and this is it yeah. if not now and they sign Mbappe no one is taking Mbappe's place at Real Madrid for 10 years it, it has to be yeah. now it has to be now for him for Lewandowski for anyone kind of in that age bracket you know mm. as soon as they replace Ronaldo they're not going to want to replace think, him again I think the manager's helping a lot as well it was quite obvious last year mm. that Hazard and Conte really didn't like each mm. other whereas Sarri has is, is built this team around Hazard and has challenged him to sort of score 40 goals this season mm. and whatever and Hazard's sort of 
going up to it he's yeah he's he's probably the best player in the Premier League at the moment that was my next question ah. actually yeah um, is he the best player in the Premier League gun. yeah yeah I think he is he's playing the best football I've seen him play he's he's 27 now so he's like peak age he just looks fit he's compared to a lot of players who've come off the World Cup he just looks in really good shape yeah like I say Sarri's built the team around him and Chelsea are playing really good football and yeah I think yeah I think he is how does that change so much in a year though that's always my, my, my same question for Pogba like I know managers changed and I know Conte de Sarri Hazard had these skills he had this ability for years yeah why, why is it now I mean he was hardly playing a different position was he no but he was playing within a system that required him to do a lot of other work whereas now I think Sarri has just said you are literally our free, free role yeah. do whatever you want and he's repaying him so, I, so is that the key to your best player just give well, your best guy a well it's kind of like what he did with Dries Mertens at Napoli isn't yeah. it like, so he got the best out of Mertens and he seems to be doing the same pretty much the same yeah. instructions for Hazard yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's a, well like if you have players if they like the system or they like the, the way the coach plays they they become of course more confident they, they, they do the work they, they're required to do more with more motivation you know you can mm. see it as at Bremen what happened for example like, it's, you know my cup in, in the Bundesliga but they didn't you know the starting 11 didn't change a whole a whole lot but like last last season yeah it's now this summer yeah but before when Kofeld came in he knew the players before they defended with like five in the back and they, they had to just sit back and counter attack they really didn't like it the, the players actively said so on, on TV like I don't like we don't like playing this way we're too defensive he changed the system and everybody became better within it you know and yeah. and suddenly they were averaging like 1.6 points per game and they, they really you know worked their self back up and I think that's just how it is like if players like the way it's being played mm. the, 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 the whole team plays then they automatically become better well, you, going back to Chelsea you can see it in someone like Pedro who's like yeah. completely well, gone back to the player who was at Barcelona this season and I think Jorginho has been a huge yeah been a brilliant buy he's he can yeah you know, he's just he's the general on the pitch and he dictates everything and he allows Hazard to yeah. have that I, I just think that surely Conte couldn't have been that stupid to deny Hazard his obvious skills by requiring him um, to do something else. Surely, when surely Con yeah. a, a Hazard under Conte, still Conte would have said, "Look, I can see you're the, you know an incredibly talented player. You can go out there and do your thing." Mm. Surely, they couldn't have changed too much. But as you're saying, you reckon it's the team around them. Well, that's now I mean, they finished. Up responsibility. They finished. Fifth but Hazard was good in the season when they won the title under yeah, Conte, wasn't yeah. he? And it was only, I mean, the whole atmosphere was a bit toxic around Chelsea last season. It's so bizarre, it isn't it? it? Wasn't just... The yo-yo from first yeah. to tenth to first to fifth. And <laughs> they're going to win it this year. Chelsea's going to be this constant cycle of their players going, yeah, this manager's way better than the last manager we had. And then yeah. they'll sack him. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. Speaking of new managers being way better than the last one, we've had a, uh, a question from a listener. Anthony Lewis asks, I was hoping, now that Arsenal are no longer shit and actually winning games, we might chat about how not shit they are. I, with no bias or preference at all, would like to hear your opinion on Emery's wild ride and the mad winning streak Arsenal are currently on. My first question about that uh, 5-1 victory at Fulham is, is that the uh, the goal of the season so far, the Aaron Ramsey one? No, it wasn't no. even the best goal of the weekend. Oh, come think. on. No, I really don't. I'm with, I'm with Alex. I, the, it was brilliant. Yeah. No, the Fulham defending was atrocious. The defending was <laughs> atrocious, and I think it's one of these things where the name goes before the it, goal. It was, if it, it wasn't Arsenal, it was, and you didn't have this notion of good football in your head, if Fulham did it, you wouldn't say it a It was word. a good finish. It was a very good finish. 
But the header, you know, when Ramsey does the little... <laughs> yeah, header, yeah, that was and terrible. And then the Fulham, so fan, uh, the Fulham defence just retreat so much. <laughs> they play like a little ball. The right-back, Christie, was just all over the place. Yeah, yeah dang, it was... Yeah, it wasn't a, a decent goal, goal, but I'm not... <laughs> I thought Sigerson's... I honestly thought Sigerson's this weekend was better. Yeah, okay. I really did. Okay, yeah, fair, Brilliant. fair. Brilliant goal. <laughs> well, um, the Arsenal fans were singing, we've got our Arsenal back at yeah. Craven Cottage. Have they got their Arsenal back? Is that a fair thing to say? Are they on their way back to the sort of heights that they achieved all, 20 years ago? <laughs> all I would say to Arsenal fans is uh, you've lost to the two teams that are better than you this season. Mm. Um, so... Fair. <laughs> they are they are playing well and well done to them but I wouldn't get carried away just yet I, I do think they'll challenge top four which they didn't at the start of the season to be honest Emery does seem they just look like they're being coached now mm-hmm. which they weren't mm. before they just look they, it was just 11 men on the pitch almost do what you want whereas now they do look like they're working in the week and you know it's sort of showing with their performances on the pitch mm. but yeah, they lost to City first weekend of the season. Um, and I know it's City, but they did get completely outplayed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be challenging, but I do think they'll they'll compete for the top four, which I didn't think they would. Yeah. I'd be amazed if they were, if that was in their ambition, though. I'd be, I'd be, you said they lost to City and Chelsea. I mean, I think most teams will. Yeah, well, Liverpool. Yeah. But I, I, I'd be amazed if, if Arsenal went damn we've lost to our rivals our mm. title rivals I think they'd be they'd be delighted with top four this yeah season. they'd yeah. be if they lose to the top two or the top three all season they'll be annoyed but if they beat everyone else and finish fourth I'm sure that's not quite in their ambition be, but yeah. give props to Emery though I'll be interested to see what if at the end of this towards the end of the season they've done well in the Europa League and they're sort of fourth fifth I would be interested yeah. to hear what Arsenal fans would want because uh, I think Emery would go for the Europa League um and yeah, see, I would be interested to see if that situation. What would arose. you? What would you do? What would you want your, your club? I think. Well, obviously, if you win the Europa League, you're in the Champions League. So. That's the thing. and then you can attract yeah, players. Yeah, That's yeah. the so thing. I think you've got to go for the Europa League. Well, he was talking, Emery, at a sort of. Um, I don't know what you would call it, Expo or something. The yeah, other day, coaching yeah. Expo, and was sort of talking about how. Uh, English teams undervalue the Europa League and sort of disrespect it a little bit. Yeah. So we've sort of hinted that he's going to go for it with Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, you're a Spurs fan, as we mentioned earlier. I'm going to ask you the Cats same question. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a Spursy T-shirt you're wearing. Now, I'm going to uh, if ask Spursy, you. I would have lost it. <laughs> the same question we asked about Liverpool earlier. What yeah. does a good season look like for Spurs? This well, season? as as I mentioned earlier, I think it's the exact same problem. I've never quite seen teams so similar. Liverpool are ahead of Spurs at the moment. I mean, by two points. Um, I think the major differences, and it shows, completely shows with City and, and Liverpool at the top of the league, is a good summer. They had a good summer. Before, when you looked at Liverpool's team, I always thought, yeah, you know what, they're great, but squad depth is a bit of an issue. You know, the front three, as soon as they go out, they're a bit screwed. Now, you know, Shakiri's in there, they've got Wijnaldum, who can also move a bit further forward or they can change system. They're looking what I hope Spurs would be. You know, for Spurs getting through the season and next summer or, or January without losing any big players and finishing in the top four, you know, it has to be as much as I, you know, love a cup run. I just think continuity at this stage when it's so fragile is is key. I mean, winning a trophy with a thinner squad as we have is going to be very challenging because mm-hmm. you know, if if, if the reports are true and Kane's burnt out already and Vertonga's out for two months. I mean, we're two months into the season. Mm. 
with one striker. Like this, it doesn't. As much as I will back them to the hills, this doesn't end well. Yeah. Spurs are in a. I, sw- I think we said it at the start of the season. They're in such a difficult position where Pochettino knows his best starting eleven. Yeah. Kane obviously starts. So mm-hmm. how do you then attract a second striker who is willing, yeah. who is good enough to replace Kane when he's injured? but is happy to sit on the bench. This this is my words exactly yeah. all the time. I think there's so many good strikers. You just can't you can't offer them a bench spot and say if Kane gets injured, you can play. Yeah. But if you score a hat-trick and Kane's fit, Kane's still starting. Sorry mate. Yeah. You, you know it's you can't bring any striker worth his worth his metal is not going to come in. Mm. No chance. I mean when uh, City sold Jekko I was begging Spurs to get him. Mm. I think he's fantastic and he's shown it for Roma. But he knows he's an international Champions League class striker. Mm. He's not going to sit on the bench yeah. and wait for wait for Kane to get yeah. injured. I think it's the same with a lot of positions. Yeah, is, That's yeah. the problem with having a settled eleven and such a fantastic starting eleven. Um, you know, Deli Ali, if he doesn't leave, you're not going to take him out of the starting eleven for about six, seven years. Yeah. You know, that's what happens with Real Madrid, except Real Madrid are good enough to win stuff with having a settled 11. No one's going to come in and sit behind Ali, sit behind Ericsson, sit behind, you know, Alderweireld or Sanchez, depending if Alderweireld leaves or not. No one's going to be happy enough to do that. So they're at a real sort of odd crossroads where I think for Liverpool, and this is where I think it becomes interesting. For me anyway, Keita and Fabinho would have been bought in under the premise of starting. Mm-hmm. No one, when they signed them in the summer before the start of the season, would have said, yeah, but they've got to get past Milner first. <laughs> no one would have said no, that. No, you true. would have, you know, as, as if I was Naby Keita or Fabinho, I would have thought, you know, I'll be bought in for 40 million. Chance of me starting ahead of a 32-year-old James Milner are going to be pretty high. I've got this. But no one would have expected it. And now it's a sort of, you know, kicking the teeth and they think, right... I'm in a fight for first team spot. Good. Mm. However, saying that before they sign, saying, you know, you're going to have to kick out Dyer or whoever first, that's how he ended up with Fernando Llorente. Yeah. You know, he was <laughs> he was delighted to come because at age 33, he's moving to a huge club in the Champions League. And if he doesn't start, it's not the end of the world for him because yeah. he's moved from Swansea to Tottenham. Yeah. Well, when, I, when I sign players on my FIFA yeah. career I'm always brutally honest with them about the role in the team yeah. <laughs> they seem to appreciate it so managing you know, expectations yeah. out of my book yeah. uh, quick word on Manchester United came from behind two goals behind to beat Newcastle on Saturday yes. Alex did that game represent a new dawn at Old Trafford or was it papering over the cracks it was papering over the cracks <laughs> um, obviously well done to them for coming from behind but Newcastle are the second worst team in the division at mm. the moment yeah that's true they were awful for the first 20 minutes. It was as bad a performance from a top club in Europe, if I can remember, for a long, long time. They were really, really bad. Um, yeah, I'd, it's. I would still be very, very worried if I was a Man United fan. Mourinho isn't happy there. He's not happy with his backing that he's is getting. He, is he ever happy anywhere? Well, it's <laughs> a gravy block. Outstanding, but... Cheer up, things aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely papering over the cracks. Yeah. There's only so long that that tension can last, and I can't really see him lasting to Christmas, to be perfectly honest. Well, the next run of games is Chelsea, Juventus, Everton, Bournemouth, Juventus, Man City. Yeah. Not very good for them, wow. is it? Yeah. 
Um, there was talk before the game that Mourinho was going to be sacked regardless of the result then there was a rumour that they had a manager lined up to replace him who got cold feet and then they sort of had to stick with Mourinho yeah. do you think there was any truth to that and if Mourinho is going to get sacked who do they actually get to replace him because apparently Zidane doesn't fancy it according to his well, agent what, what I heard and what I read was that it was actually the Mourinho camp that told the journalist uh, on the Friday that he was going to get sacked right. for sort of illicit a sort of sympathetic ear from Man United fans because then uh, after that Neville Ooh. said oh this is like you know that he'll never get more support at Old Trafford <laughs> so that's the sort of conspiracy theory going around um, but and it obviously worked because uh, even at 2-0 down Man United fans were sort of singing for Mourinho but I think now that they've turned their ire to Woodward which in the end doesn't bode well for, yeah. for Mourinho who do they get in? <sighs> I mean, it's Zidane or Conte, maybe. Are the only sort of two really big names that are available. Wenger. <laughs> or Wenger, yeah. Um, I don't know. Leonardo I really Jardim. don't know. Zidane's, yeah, Jardim, maybe, if he leaves Monaco. Um, it's a difficult one. I really, really don't know. Because obviously Zidane did so well at Real Madrid, but it was a very specific club, a very specific time, and he worked so well. Could he translate that to Man to yeah. United? He doesn't really speak English, which you know could be an issue. I don't know. I'm sort of sitting on the fence on this one. I really but, don't know who they bring in. By the way, that was a fall from grace for Jardim. When he had Monaco firing in the Champions League, he was linked with every job. Yeah. And now he's left them in 18th. I'm not quite sure he can no, get that job. Now he's been linked job. with Manchester United. It is a fall yeah, from yeah, grace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he, I mean, he got asset stripped essentially yeah, in Monaco yeah. after that first season and not much he could do and, about it really. Touching on the Mourinho thing again, what is, this is what I don't quite get, how can the board sack him when they're the ones who apparently didn't back him <laughs> in the transfer market? How are you going to bring someone in and then back him in January? Why don't you just stick with Mourinho and back him? But they have backed him, haven't they? That's the whole point. They have... They have but their it, summer was they dreadful. Have, yeah, but they have spent how, like 70 million on Lindelof and Bailly and now all of a sudden they're not good enough. Like They have backed him, so they don't trust him with money. That's they don't trust oh, him with the right. money they're going to give and, him. And I actually have to say yeah. as well that, of course, it's important to get in transfers if you're if you were having a struggling squad. But they were second the year before, right? Yeah. So the squad yeah. wasn't terrible. And then as a manager, also your job is not just to buy new players and just you know stick them together like mm -hmm. in FIFA. You, well, you have to develop players. You have to you know. That's always been Mourinho's thing: is yeah, buy, buy, buy. Yeah. Name name one player that's got better at Man United with him as coach. Yeah, no, true. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> yeah. however, City won the league. Yeah, and they still went out and bought because they knew they had to improve. One player though. Yeah, got one player. Mm, okay. And, I mean, in general, of course, like it helps if you bring in yeah. new new players. It helps, but also if you can't do that as a coach, you should be able to yeah. develop players. Like, it, the answer it's is not, you can't just be like, market, oh, yeah. like we didn't buy like mm. the the central defender I wanted. Now we're tenth, and that's okay. Yeah, like they, they, they I'm not gonna lie. I think that is generally what happens. <laughs> yeah. Like their centre defence is that bad. That's why they're tenth. <laughs> I would put it down to Smalling and Lindelof but, and But Rose. then why is, it, why is it possible for Manchester City to have defenders that don't need to defend, as you said, Because the they actually control the ball and don't yeah, lose no, but, it. Yeah, but then they then change the system, change the way you play. Like, yeah, well, this is the stubbornness of Mourinho. Yeah, but then he thinks the, he won it, you know, with Porto 14 years ago. 
But then I'm saying, like, then, 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 like, you know, it's his fault more. You know, of course they 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 should you know bring in the best players. They so can. Zidane or someone comes in and suddenly is Chris Smalling Rio Ferdinand? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, someone changes like that. No, but you, you can't just as a coach just go out and blame like, okay, I didn't get like the one or two players yeah, I wanted. And, I understand. And like, yeah. we're just crumbling completely as a team. I do think it's got to a point now where it could literally be anyone that could come in and the mood at the club would just change around and they would improve I really do think it's got yeah, to that point yeah. uh, maybe not like a Sam Allardyce or whatever but like, like a you know, A name <laughs> yeah, yeah. could come in and give it, it gigs would improve yeah. <laughs> for waiting for that our last question on the Premier League comes from Samuel Goetz who says hi guys I've been listening to your content from North Carolina for about a year and a half now yeah. I especially enjoy, enjoy Dan's punditry as a Man City fan I didn't write this How's myself this oh yeah <laughs> I knew it was a fake name <laughs> I was curious how you guys think Bournemouth are going to fare this year. They've done quite well off the start. Can they pull off top four or are they going to fall from grace? Uh, they can't pull off top no, four. Surely. No, Sorry. That's a bit, yeah. Sorry, Samuel. But massive they fans. Are, I, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Eddie Howe. I, I think he should be the next England manager when Gareth Southgate leaves. The sort of job he's doing at that club, the amount of money they've spent, I think is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but it's very, it's just, like I was saying with Zidane, it's a very specific manager, a very specific So, so how at United then is... No. Uh, I, I mean, it'd be inter- really interesting yeah. to see. I think eventually a top six club will come in. Yeah. But it will be interesting. Like, how was at Bournemouth, did really well, mm. and then went to Burnley, and he was awful for six well. months, came back to Bournemouth, and again, he's got... Maybe got he is that six. specific shoestring well, yeah, manager he, then. He has, he has the run of the place at Bournemouth. It's all, yeah. it's all his, it's his club, basically. Mm. Um, but he's doing really well. They bought really well in the summer. I think Jefferson Lerma is a really, yeah. really, good, really good player. The first, David Brooks, who they brought from Sheffield United, yeah. is, is one of the best young players. Didn't in the know much of him until he's yeah, banged two in the brilliant. last two. And I thought, wow, he's um, gone. Callum Wilson is another really, really good player. Um, come from the lower leagues. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think Howe's done an amazing job. I would like to see him get a big six job, but how it would work. I don't Can you imagine him, though, if, if he's used to shoestring and then gets given 100 million? He might be like well, a kid in a can, so he might just go yeah, nuts. Yeah, if he's he, used to... Well, he's not shoestring, actually. No, Jordan Knight was 30 million. Yeah, they spent 30 million on Jefferson Lerma as well. They do spend yeah. money, but they spend it well. Uh, but he's a, he's a proper coach. He's on the training pitch every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I really like Ham. Really, really like I Ham. I feel like they're everyone's second team. You know when they're not offensive, they're oh, not yeah. challenging, but they play good football and everyone sort of enjoys them because they're not... You know, you know what I mean? They're not threatening anybody. They're, they're the nice guy. Once. Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't play good football yeah. at the time, though. We, we were just everyone's sort of... You were Jamie Pollock lobbing the own, his own keeper. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Helgi, you've been sitting there very patiently. Thank you for that. I'm going to ask you about Bayern Munich. Wow. Who were sixth. In yes. the Bundesliga, <laughs> I asked this question last week on the podcast. I think, but what the hell is going on? Uh, well, loads of things. <laughs> um, now it's 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 a weird situation there because it's a mix of a, as I said, a mix of a lot of things. They, they now we get back to like transfer market, some stuff there. Like they uh, are still playing with Robin and Ribery as as wingers. I think Nico said, like one of our YouTube hosts said in one of his videos, that they have the wingers that are to get a combined 70 years old, almost. <laughs> wow. There, there's no, there's <laughs> no top club that would do that, you yeah. know, like to trust those those kind of players. You can see that they're declining. Um, they got in a new coach as well, um, who did a really great job at, at Frankfurt. 
Um, but we we said as well in the prognosis when we went talked about the uh, the Bundesliga that we all thought that he didn't talk that much about the possession game of like when when they have the ball that he was he wanted to improve a lot the the counter attacking he wanted to have like a more um, direct style of play and all of that but um, what we said as well is like the teams are going to park the bus which they're doing mm-hmm. and Bayern did have some some chances in the some of the games they didn't win. A lot of chances actually, but also they they had them from positions where they didn't necessarily had to score, so it was a little bit difficult there. Also, now the players are saying we have the ball a lot of times in spaces where we're not not threatening the goal, where we're not not dangerous for the, the opponent's team, and that's something that uh, I think Niko Kovac needs to address. And we all said it, but we're not sure. Or I, I'm not sure that that he has the idea is to do it or it's not his style of football that he played before so I don't know if he if he mm-hmm. does that on the other hand he's a smart coach but then again he has a, a squad that is really old I think mm-hmm. um, there's so many players around 30 or over 30 they've got 19 senior outfield players 9 of them are 29 or older just 5 under 24 yeah, so, yeah. They're, they're, they're really having an aging squad they, they brought in some players to to uh, to change uh, that they, they they have Kimmich for for Lam, you know, like a while ago. Mm-hmm. They brought in Tuliso. They 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 bought Goretzka. They they brought in some young players, but or Gnabry as well. But Sanchez they, too. Yeah, but they they really they haven't gotten these players that they could replace the old like on a one on one level. They they are having young players that need to develop. And for example, what we all can understand is why they didn't go for Martial. Uh, Mourinho or Manchester United wanted Boateng. Yeah, that's something the player they they wanted to get rid of, obviously. But to PSG, they could have maybe swapped it. They wouldn't even have to spend that much money. They and they could have gotten in a really young, but also proven winger that they could have really helped them. Um, Is that because they had Coman though, and he they've been unlucky with his injury? No, they Coman Martial either side. Yeah, is yeah they could have FIFA yeah. wise. They that's deadly. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the Coman is injury prone. Like he yeah, had had yeah. a lot of injuries recent and in his career already. Um, and also, he's not, for example, the the you can't really play Coman instead of Robin because he's a different player. Like mm-hmm. He's he's giving a lot of assists, but like he doesn't have the 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 goal scoring abilities of of Robin, for example. Yeah, and yeah, and Ribery by now in in this season he has one assist in ten games. Jesus, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's that's they yeah. they are not creating any any. Well, any weren't they both offered new deals at the start of the season? An uh, extra year. They they did an extra year, yes, but also it's it's because yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they they didn't really. They had no one else. Yeah, <laughs> like they have Gnabry who's as well injured a lot, yeah. uh, or like recently has been injured a lot. Um, they have Coman, but he's out for three months. And also, you, you don't really want to have two wingers that are just Gnabry and 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 Coman because that's not really you know challenging for the for the Champions League yeah, the semi finals. How are you failing to attract top players when you're the biggest club yeah, in Germany? Yeah, it's it's. I think they don't want to spend that much. That's oh, one okay. of the reasons. Um, and also, I think because Heinkes came in last season, he won the the league easily by twenty points. Uh, they were competitive against Real Madrid when they got kicked out of the Champions League. Yeah, they were unlucky. Um, and so they, they kind of felt like the squad still had another year in it. Mm. And Hoeneß even said they are now saving up money. Kind of like they sold some players like like Vidal, for example, Bernard, kind of like to accumulate some money for next year to, right. to really go big. But I think they have, might have underestimated how fast uh, Robin and Ribery are declining. 
So that might be one of the, the biggest problems there. Also putting the trust into Comor that now sadly is injured. Um, but also another, like there's a lot of weird decisions. They, they sold uh, Rudy, for example, as well, who is the only other holding midfield they had instead of Javi Martinez. So now they play yeah. with Thiago as a number six, which might work in some games, but you know, otherwise he's not a to me at least he's not a really really holding midfield. It's more like a like a player who goes forward as well. He's not the last man in, in midfield to me. Yeah, they're definitely not a breakup player. Mm-hmm. Certainly yeah. a controller. I also oddly saw the other day that they have no fullbacks. Kimmich is injured, and so is Alaba. They sold Bernat. And that's it. Yeah, and Rafinha, yeah. he's injured as well. They have no, they have no <laughs> fullbacks. Yes, they, they, it's really weird. They, they, they have like they, before this season they had eleven central midfielders, but they sold on positions where they didn't really have any any backup players. They sold on the on the wing backs. They sold yeah. uh, in the number in the holding midfielder uh, position where they only had Javi Martinez and, and Rudi. And yeah, yeah, they, they really had a weird weird summer and. And Kovac as well has to kind of now suffer under it because they, they, they didn't really mm-hmm. provide him with a, the team that he needed as well. Well, yeah. there was talk earlier in the week that he stormed out of training, did he? Because only five players turned up. He doesn't realise it's the international break, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What was that about? No, I think it was in general, it was... It might have been made bigger than, than it was in the end because we don't know exactly what happened. It was just that he brought out uh, his video analyst and uh, Salih Hamicic, who's the sporting director, and they talked on the on the side. So uh, he might have just seized that moment of like being, okay, there's, you know, some, there's some trouble. I'm not sure exactly what happened there in training because uh, we weren't there and there's just the report of Bild that... Um, um, I want. I want to say I, I doubt it a little bit as well because they make it maybe a little bit bigger than it was. I think he might have been pissed, gotten inside, and then talked about some some stuff with uh, to to see how to improve these things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's better to seize maybe the international break to do these kind of things than maybe the full training where everybody's there. Mm-hmm. Well, he might not get too much time left to uh, sort it out, will he? But uh, one guy who has no time left to sort it out is Tafan Korkut, who was sacked yes. by Stuttgart, the first manager of the uh, Bundesliga season to go last week, wasn't he? Yeah. And they've got a new guy in now? And they got a new guy, yeah, Michael Sveinsier. Yeah. That is uh, the expected choice. He was really, really good at Augsburg, uh, coaching them to the Europa League at some point. Really, really putting on like a strong squad that didn't have a lot of money. So kind of, kind of like, like the burn of the Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, like they, everybody liked them kind of because they played a decent football. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a good choice, I think, because uh, he's very pragmatic in his, in his play. Like he, he can strengthen the defense, but also has ideas for, for attacking. Uh, so yeah, it was... It was uh, I think it was a good choice because I've never been really a big fan of Typhon Korkut as, mm. as a coach, as I've expressed a couple of times on, <laughs> on this podcast before. Um, so yeah, it was was time basically. I think. Yeah, and Dortmund are doing quite well, aren't they? Paco Alcacer got a hat trick at the weekend. Was yeah, that right? yeah, yeah. It's, he was. It was a funny stat at some point. He for his first three goals, he needed fifty minutes of playing time. Wow. So he and it's still he's having like an I don't know how many goals he scores every every uh, minute by or like every like every couple fourteen of I think it was every, every fourteen, 14 minutes, minutes he scored like, wow ridiculous because <laughs> he's still being being subbed in because because yeah. he didn't play much at Barcelona before so Fal was taking it slow bringing him in like for like thirty minutes at a time to to boost him up uh, basically yeah. and 
Works really well so far, first in the league. But on the other hand, I think last season they were six points ahead of Bayern at this point, and in the end they they didn't manage. So I think it's wait and see a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Do you still think the story ends with Bayern getting the shit together and winning the league title by twenty points again, or if they get Heinkes back? No, maybe not. I'm. I think, and as we said as well in, in the prognosis for the league, it might be a little bit closer this year. Um, I think still Bayern has the best squad. And I think I saw it on, on goal impact where they kind of calculated the, the uh, probabilities. They still gave them 80% chance of winning the league. I think that is probably a fair assumption. But on the other hand, before the season, we would have given them a 99% yeah. chance yeah. of winning it. So yeah, now true. to make it a little bit more exciting and it's just fun to, to watch it right now everybody's mm-hmm. happy there's just see the the mm-hmm. table here there's uh four teams behind it just three points away from from dortmund bayern is only four points away it's not too bad yet yeah and and yeah it's so, exciting though for the yeah, Bundesliga. league finally considering yeah. ev- everything that's leveled at the the rest of <laughs> europe with juve running away as they're doing again barca bayern city it's quite exciting for yeah. once. Yeah. I've like got a close league. It, it would be fun to, to keep it like this. I think in the end Bayern might run away because they just have the the most experienced squad in that way. And Dortmund as well. They have been having a lot of narrow mm. wins in there. Like the 4-3 against Augsburg recently where they won it in the 96th minute. Yeah. So... The, the, and also, like they're having a lot of young players in there in the attack as well. Like with Pulisic, with Sancho, with... Um, the Brun Larsen and, and like some other players so they might have some ups and downs but as long as they keep it up for a while I think every Bundesliga fan is, is happy with this great I'm happy too well <laughs> not really because we've got the international break now which is you know, everybody hates Jurgen Klopp described the UEFA Nations League as the most senseless competition in world football <laughs> I liked what Boca Juniors coach Guillermo Barros Chalotto said he sort of made a, a wider point about international football where he said Basically, at this point in the season, nobody's interested in international football. We've just had the World Cup. Everyone just wants to watch the clubs. Do you think that international football kind of suffers a little bit because it forces itself on people when they don't really want to watch it? Um, possibly, but they ha- there has to be an international break at this time of year. So there's not really a lot that... I think UEFA have done really well by introducing the Nations League, actually. The first round again, I mean, the first break, which was like two weeks into the season, was a bit ridiculous. Mm. But having said that, the games are really good. England's game against Spain was really mm. good. I think Turkey beat Sweden 3 2. It was a good game. Um, and then the smaller nations, apologies to Scottish fans, but like Scotland <laughs> playing. Um, Here comes the hate mail. Yeah, <laughs> but they're in like groups where they can play countries at their own level, mm. which means they sort of can get on a run of wins and sort of test themselves against mm. other you know, similar nations. So, yeah, I think the football administration isn't really known for common sense solutions, mm. but actually this this Nations League has worked really well so I th- far. I think the games are good, but yeah, it's the timing. Mm. There's an international break, September, October, November. Yeah. I mean, like, that, how, how does a team get run a form together? You've got three or four games get going until like December, does it really? Yeah, exactly. Why don't you just bunch them up and have them, I don't know, have, have a three-week period in October, mm. take September and November's fixtures, throw them in, 
and just have you know and, and I mean yes it would be annoying however the games would be a, a lot faster and, it is, and you're right because it is sort of detrimental to everyone really because club managers moan oh, but God, then yeah. international managers don't get enough time with their players so they you know they get a week mm. together they have to play two games you can't really train properly at that time so sort of nobody really wins like yeah. this so I'm sh- but then you know there there has to be a certain amount of international fixtures between you know an in twelve months yeah. cycle. So how do you do it? It's difficult. It's very very difficult. Mm. I, I don't really know. We're going to finish today's show with some questions from our lovely listeners. Um, Dutch Mapper says, "Discuss the Premier League and how I think Chelsea are going to win it." That sounds more like a threat than a question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you I'm telling just, us? Uh, but you are asking yeah, us. I hope he's happy with what we said about Chelsea earlier in the show. We might get a bullet in the post next week. Um, Sergio Luna says, Hey guys, been listening since the first episode. What do you guys think about Diego Maradona coaching a second division team in Mexico? <laughs> Dorados, is it? He's coaching? I think it's yeah. I've yeah. not really followed it at all. But I'll be honest, I haven't really I, seen I saw it, that he yeah. won the first few. Did he? I, I reckon it's just, you try it hardest. You're playing under Maradona. Mm. And if you play really well, He's probably got quite a good contact book for European football, yeah. Where he can get you a move to a bigger club. So I think it's all it's all it's all to play for every day for the players. I'm not sure if Mexico is the right place for Maradona to be. There. No, <laughs> if you know no yeah. not at all. But player wise, I mean, for the for the club wise to bring in a guy like that, oh yeah, it's you good, got a chance to impress yeah. the former greatest player in the world every single day in training. Yeah, it's yeah. no wonder that they're doing okay. I don't think his managerial skills are what are bringing them. Results. No, I just wonder how he gets to do that job and be the what is the vice president president of a Belarusian <laughs> yeah. club somewhere. It's not like he's next door, you know. I just don't I, ask yeah. questions. That's the yeah. thing. I, I think it's literally just paid for his name rights. Yeah. So they could just put we're that team. You know the one that Maradona's chairman of, and everyone's yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I doubt he spends the morning training at Dorado's and the afternoon in the office in Belarus. Maybe, maybe, maybe Skype. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> I doubt it's it somehow. so weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anthony Dacino asks, uh, I'm a big Juve fan, but I'm curious why you guys always say the national league title is more important to fans than winning the Champions League. Personally, I gladly trade the last few league titles for just one Champions League victory. Hmm. I think it's the one title that you can't win that you want that at some point you want the most but I think over time the the, the clubs prefer winning the the championship because they they you know sadly it's like well like planning wise you know like with the money coming in and the Champions League being guaranteed I think Juventus are a sort of particular case though they're like one of Europe's biggest grandest clubs and they haven't won the Champions League since 96 I think, 96, it was, yeah. I think. Yeah. so they've got they're sort of they've got a tradition in the competition but haven't really proved mm. it recently so and the club are obviously looking to become like a proper giant yeah. like a Real Madrid and a Barcelona mm. and that's really the only way but, to do but it. surely as well if the league is a given yeah you'd swap four titles if you had four yeah. titles to swap yeah. <laughs> not every club has the luxury of swapping four titles yeah. in for yeah. a Champions League exactly. different yeah. clubs and different also leagues. you can never really plan for Champions League it's, you know for, for yeah the, you think you can plan for winning the title yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can, you, you can build a squad that where you know at least that you know you, you, you are not just capable but like very very likely to, to win the league yeah exactly but it's really really hard you can see it with PSG you can see it with Man City like to build a squad even like it doesn't really matter how much money you have but you need to build the squad you need to get the coach you need to get experience as well in these games and, and all of this 
kind of build up and then you can challenge for it and still you have no guarantee of winning. Do you reckon it'll get to a point where you've got special teams like in American football? <laughs> Do you reckon you've just got your, your Champions 30, League manager, your Champions League squad, and it's completely different from your the, league The 33 squad. on average well, like, squad that has yeah. just won it all in the league. Yeah. Right now. I think what will happen is a European Super League. Yeah. And I, and I know yeah. that Juventus are the club that are pushing that at the hardest because they feel that Serie A is sort of above them now. But but why though? Yeah, yeah. Why is it because they can sell the bigger matches? Well, because playing against the best teams all the time means more money for the clubs, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just gonna be like the the NFL, where you're gonna have but like thirty teams or like twenty teams or whatever, and then they can't get relegated. They can't be, and then you just you know build it like the like the the US leagues basically. Or just mm. and they're trying to build money. it like us. Was, uh, mm-hmm. In Arsene Wenger's last press conference, they sort of asked him like where he thought football was going to be in like ten years, and um, as well as the European Super League, he thought that uh, Champions League games are going to be, be played on a Saturday soon. I thought you were going to say a Mars or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were playing Champions League games at the weekend and then league games in the week. That's what he... Because they're that important. Yeah, that's what he predicted. Well, yeah. money-wise, I guess. That would be rubbish, that's, wouldn't uh, it? Well, that would be rubbish. Uh, as well, I think, if you look at the leagues and the, the amount of different champions they had, maybe with the exception of England, it might be a matter of time where it's actually as well for the fans and the and the, and the mm. national and the like in the Bundesliga, for example, the 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 newspaper, the, the magazine El Freunde has t- come out with an exciting league table where they just took out Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they just took them out. You could do that for every league. You just yeah. take out the top one. Yeah, and then it just goes like, yeah. Now 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 suddenly it's exciting. Like who's going to win it? it? Isn't though when they talk about this European Super League? Isn't that what the Champions League is? Just taking the best from every league. Um. Yeah, in a way. As a team, you cannot really plan with all that money. For example, like Schalke has been dropping out for, for some years. Yeah. And then if you just have the 20 teams fixed, you just yeah. know that money is yeah. coming in. And you just, oh, I see. You know, because there's still, you have to qualify. And they, I think and they, they made it easier for, for big teams for, for, from, from bigger countries to qualify now. I, yeah. Taking out the, the fourth place as they're like, playing the playoffs. I'd feel offended if you were a smaller team, though, and you, you weren't in it. Well, that's, yeah. That's and especially fine. if you're then forced to play midweek. We could have a cold Tuesday night at Stoke yeah. every other week. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate test. I don't think UEFA no. or FIFA really care about offending anybody, do they? No, yeah, yeah, this uh, is what I mean. Especially yeah. like, the, like the, the, the European fans are not as important anymore as before. Now they're just looking for you know the, all the money being able to make in, in the it, US. It's, and it's on TV Asia. because there's no way as, I don't know, a Man City fan, you're going to go into Europe every weekend no. to watch a game money-wise. So it's going to be on TV. The fans are irrelevant, aren't they? Yeah. No, so and people are going to just going to go in the stadiums with the home, with the home team. Mm-hmm. Just, they're just not going to have away fans anymore. Like, I think in Spain it's not even a big deal because no. they, they barely have away fans. Traveling. We are quite lucky though in England that everything's so close is the yeah. one thing I will say is that we... The longest journey is, you know, what is it like Exeter against Newcastle? Yeah, and that's very unlikely. Whereas we're we're quite close. It's quite underestimated. They would still put that on a Monday night though. If yeah, they drew each other yeah. in the FA Cup or something, wouldn't they? Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna to have to end on a rather somber note there then. But uh, thank you to the listeners for the questions. Uh, if you'd like to get your questions into us, we'd love to hear them. So the email address is podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, thank you to Matt Helga and Alex, and uh, of course thank you to you for listening. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>